Welcome to the Financial Advisors Workshop, where we will be interviewing some of the most successful financial advisors in America to hear exactly what strategies and tactics they use to grow their practice to 100 million and beyond. So our biggest goal here with this podcast is to help you grow your financial advisor practice. So thanks everybody for tuning in and let's jump into the interview. Well, welcome everybody back to the Four Stars Financial Advisors Workshop. We have a very interesting uh, lady to talk with us today, uh, learning more about the industry and learning more about great practices in our industry. We have uh, Christina Bribonera, Bribonari, right? Is that right? right. It's close, Brian. It's Christina Bribonaria. Bribonaria. Okay, great. Christina, thank you for being with us here on the Financial Advisors Workshop. And, uh, you know, as we were as we were discussing, Christina, how you built your practice and then things that have happened right now, we found some really interesting things that you like to work with millennials uh, and, and uh, also uh, you're a private CFO. So um, why don't we just start, Christina, how did you get started in the industry and how did you evolve to where you are today? Absolutely. And again, Brian, thank you so much for having me on. And one of the main reasons I actually got into the industry was because I actually did not grow up from a very wealthy background or wealthy family. And so I got into the industry primarily because I wanted to educate people. But in terms of just where I started, I, I started my career at a large uh, firm called American Express Financial Advisors. They're now known as Ameriprise Financial. I quickly moved up into leadership and, and helped them run the region as a district manager in Atlanta. And I started my career in 2005, but we saw, again, a lot of crazy things in the financial industry that was happening in 2008, 2009. And a few of our colleagues at Ameriprise, we saw really two things that were happening that we wanted to do for our clients or that we didn't want to have um, for our clients. And the first thing that we saw was that a lot of the larger firms had proprietary products. And so companies like Ameriprise had Riversource or Fidelity was Fidelity and uh, Northwestern was Northwestern. And we wanted to create a firm that was completely independent of those proprietary products. The second thing that we saw was that, uh, again, many firms have soft dollar arrangements where, as you know, investment companies or insurance companies would pay millions of dollars to advisors to say, hey, if you offer our product to a client, you know, we'll give you more marketing money for it. And, and again, we didn't want to have that bias. And that's actually why we started Oxygen Financial in August of 2008. We started it because we saw the value of being independent in the financial industry, because we have the options to provide more strategies for our clients and really provide them more ways to grow their assets. So, okay, so um, how did that develop uh, over time with different financial planning programs? Uh, you, you mentioned private CFO uh, idea. And so how does that all fit into growth of assets and growth of the business? Absolutely. And so in terms of the private CFO role, we actually trademarked that role uh, because we wanted our clients to think of themselves as CEOs of their household finances. And as you know, and many of our clients know, most CEOs have a trusted CFO or chief financial officer to help them make financial decisions more efficiently. And so that's what we are as private CFOs in that 
where essentially half their financial gurus, where we do all the research, read all the articles, watch all of the depressing news sometimes, and you know, convey that knowledge and, and to them and figure out how it's going to impact them financially. But then on the other side, we're essentially like their personal Clark Howards or personal Susie Ormans, where again, we're out in the marketplace finding the best strategies for them. And so because of the breadth of our planning in that we do more holistic financial planning and comprehensive planning that, that's been uh, a, that's been um uh, allowed us to really provide again further options for our clients and and more strategy that some firms may not be uh, accustomed to well in, in uh, some of the comments you had made earlier um that sounds interesting some of the comments you made earlier is that there's different demographics of people that have not been well served by our industry. And so you've had a little bit of focus on that. Do you want to talk a little bit about how that would work and who, who those people are and how do you serve them in a different way? Absolutely. So when I started my career in 2005, we mostly, and I think the industry in itself, mostly focused on the older generation. So our parents, our grandparents, and you know, Again, we, we found that one of the most underserved um, generations or demographics at the time was the Gen X and Gen Y generations. And these you know, people were either starting off you know, their, their families, they were graduating college, they were starting their businesses, but maybe didn't have a ton of assets or a ton of wealth at that time. But we knew that as they got older, they, they would have assets, they would have wealth, their income would grow. And so our our firm started to focus on the XY gen. And because of that, we actually led the country in really focusing on, on those clientele. Nice. And so um, it's been a few years on now. How have many of those X, X and Yers developed as, as clients? How has that worked out? They've done extremely well. So what we found is that, especially in these generations, most of them are business owners. They're they've worked their their ways up to executives, or they they've um, have been in spaces where maybe they're not working for their companies for thirty years like our parents or grandparents have, but they're getting experience from various companies and places to maybe start their own businesses. And uh, because we've been with them from the very beginning, they've trusted us to help them guide them throughout their careers. And over the last, when we started the company in 2008, over the last 14 years, we've had the ability to really grow with our clients and, and, um, you know, in terms of just to give an idea of how we started the company, I mean, we had zero assets under management, we had zero clients, and now we have, we essentially manage um, as a firm about 1.5 billion in assets and now work with over 4,000 clients that are as a firm wholly. Wow. Well, wow, that's great. And, and you, so you started really right out of the gate. You quickly moved into different leadership positions, Christina, and you're an advisor coach. And then you said you mentioned your district manager and uh, circle of success. Um, how did that afford you an opportunity to grow better than others? Or were there some other benefits from your aggressive uh, development? So 
early on, and this is one of the things where I will always say that the Ameriprise American Express training ground was probably one of the best in the country at the time where it, it really gave me a foundation of financial planning. It gave me a foundation of uh, how to build relationships, but then also lead other advisors. Uh, because of that foundation, I've been able to take it on throughout my 17, almost 18 years in the career to, to really develop those relationships with our team, our staff, other advisors who work for us, but then also uh, taking that knowledge to our clients. And because of just, again, having a great financial planning foundation, I think we've been able to share more knowledge and more information with our clients than what we would normally have been able to do if we were working for just an insurance company or just a, a investment firm. So by being independent, that opened up the door a little bit more as well, even though Ameriprise was a great training, but then you were able to take it to the new level, right? Absolutely. The great thing about being independent is we don't we're not tied to one company or one product. As you know, the, we have the, the breadth of the entire industry as, as a playground for our clients and for our firm. And so, you know, for us, because we do comprehensive planning, we are able to provide our clients with insurance strategy, tax reduction strategies, investment strategies, estate planning. And, and so, you know, we really, again, have, just the wealth of the industry available to us as independent advisors. Absolutely. Now, you know, a little known fact is that you uh, majored in mathematics and history at Oberlin. And so how did that help you as you got into our industry? So I will say, I, I don't think I actually use what I learned in college, but what, what I, because by the end of my math degree, I was writing paragraphs in Greek letters, literally, we were writing proofs. But um, I, I will say, even though I'm not practically applying what I've learned as a, a math major or history major, what it taught me was that both sides of my brain work, and that I had the skill set to think critically and problem solve in different ways. So instead of staying within the box, and it, it allowed me to think about the industry differently or think about um, how to service our clients differently and, and really uh, figuring out just other ways to, to succeed versus staying within one lane at, at a time. So that's, that's interesting. So uh, when you look at other financial practices and your competitors, what are the unique things that you're doing besides working with that demographic that may, maybe some don't work with? What other things are you doing that maybe would make them more interested? Do you do a lot of work in cryptocurrencies, which tend to be with younger folks, or basically what, what areas do you work in? Absolutely. I think two of the biggest areas that we provide a lot of advice in, or actually two to three, would be the tax reduction strategies. So what we've found was that a lot of clients are finding ways to, to reduce taxes. Now, again, we do not prepare taxes. We actually recommend our clients talk to their CPAs and accountants. But when we work and consult with their CPAs and accountants, we are working as a team with them to, to find ways to reduce their tax liability. And especially for our, many of our business owner clients, 
this is valuable information to them that that they might not even hear from their own CPAs at, at sometimes. And so sometimes, again, we are uh, working hand in hand with their CPAs. So that's the first area is that tax reduction strategies. Uh, the second is we, as I mentioned to you earlier, we recently had a, a client event that was approved uh, to educate our clients on blockchain and cryptocurrency that many other financial firms don't have the ability to do yet. And because of these, um, because our broker dealer luckily is is pro- uh, progressive in that space, we've been able to bring information to the market and to our clients that normal, again, larger wirehouses, larger firms aren't able to do. And then the third right. piece I will say is is uh, really the the type of engagement that we have with the clients in terms of our ser- service model. Our mm-hmm. our service model is very transparent. We share with clients here is how they're comp- that we're compensated up front. Here's how we engage, and I think clients really appreciate that, especially with within the Gen X and Gen Y generations. Yes. Yeah. Well, so. So uh, tell me then, what what kinds of products do you end up doing? Is it is it mostly Bitcoin or is it other cryptos? Let's let's delve into that a little bit. So as you know, we we are not allowed to buy digital currencies for our clients yet, but we have and are able to provide advice on the exchange traded funds that are traded are that are trading basically on the features. The other option that we can provide to our clients is if they did want to do it themselves, again, they can go open a digital wallet for themselves. Unfortunately, we still can't tell them which currency they're allowed to buy. Um, and then the last option that is is new for many firms is uh, there are privately owned firms that are out there that allow for clients to invest their money into a digital currency fund. And and that is an option. Again, we are not compensated when we refer our clients to it. It is something that our clients have to uh, know that that's part of just their own risk tolerance uh, that they are taking on. Okay. Okay. Uh, interesting. You also mentioned you do some work with nonprofits and other kind of community-based organizations. How does that fit into the development of your, your program and your practice? Absolutely. So I actually sit on a, a couple of boards. Um, some, uh, one is a theater board. Uh, one is the uh, a symphony or the orchestra board. Um, uh, and some are just community-based organizations at churches um, and other nonprofits. And one of the things that I have always wanted to do as I've grown my career was to really just give back to the community. And just through those relationships by through networking, by giving back, um, by doing complimentary seminars about financial planning. We've been able to receive referrals from clients who are on boards at those same organizations, or even just by pure networking again at those seminars or just seeing a face, clients start to become interested in what we're doing as a financial planning team. So um, in the group that you said, there are four advisors that are part of Oxygen, um, and uh, one of your partners is, is cycling out as there was some transaction that you folks were involved with. Um, how does that all work now for going forward? Will Oxygen continue to be an operation, do you think, or you're not, you're not sure where it goes at this point? 
So absolutely. And I do want to clarify. So oxygen itself is essentially our firm and our brand. We, we actually have over 38 uh, advisors and staff who, who operate under our brand. We actually have um, almost uh, 10 different offices across the country in Boston and Florida and Colorado um, and Georgia. And so, so as a brand itself, we, we actually are, are, are a huge brand. Now, within our brand, again, we have our, our individual practices that are where we are partnered with other financial advisors. And so in my particular practice, uh, there are four partners at, at this point where one of the partners had the huge opportunity to uh, exit the financial planning uh, practice, but continue. he continues to run oxygen and will continue to still be um, as the visionary of our of oxygen as the firm. In terms of the financial planning practice, the other three partners, we will continue to be there to manage our client assets, provide advice, lead our team. So nothing really changes on a day-to-day basis. It's really, again, providing just more opportunity for our firm to grow uh, along with uh, um, more more staff support going forward uh, within our practice. So, Christina, where do you see the industry going then and how would it affect uh, your your group and and their development. What 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 trends do you see that are important for advisors to know? I, I think, and this is where I, I I believe that our firm has really led the way in this. I, I think our industry is going to continue to be more technology focused. So we since we opened the firm, we have completely been a paperless office and. It was very um, eye-opening how ahead we were, especially when the pandemic hit, where we have had to work remotely for almost two plus years now. We still aren't fully in office because clients aren't really in a rush to come see us. Um, we do think that that the, the firms should go paperless, and it, it just it's an easier transition for clients, um, and it's easier. For to be organized. Um, we have fully been using DocuSign for the last decade or so, or however long we've, we've been allowed to use it. Um, and so that, that's one space that, that I do think more firms need to keep doing and, and structure themselves to do. Uh, secondly, I think that there are industries, like you were mentioning, the digital currency industry and cryptocurrency industries that that um, we should be allowed to speak about with our clients. Um, I don't know if people were aware of this, but large firms like J.P. Morgan Chase are investing their own treasury, corporate treasury money, into digital digital currency. But imagine a J.P. Morgan Chase, but none of their financial advisors can even talk about it. Um, and, and I think there are areas that, that should be allowed and given more um, a space for advisors to, to develop it. And then the third way is, is we, in terms of Oxygen, have been really ahead of the game in terms of social media, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. And, um, but again, some of the larger firms, because we've been independent, we've been really blessed to have a, a team and broker dealer that has allowed us to have influence on the social media space and internet space. 
but some firms are still not even allowed to do that. The compliance departments are, are very strict and very um, um, strict in terms of what can be posted online. And, and I, I do think that this is a space that the financial industry should continue to work on. Clients are working on it already, aren't they? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And however, I still, I, I know other colleagues at other large wirehouses and, and financial planning firms that, you know, they don't even want to be on social media because it's, it's still a compliance uh, department issue for them. Whereas <laughs> I get to, you know, you and I get to post on Instagram or Facebook at, and LinkedIn at this point, and there's no issue for, for us at all to do it. Exactly. Exactly. So, Christina, when, when you work with a client family, how does that process work? Do you, you engage that family or that person and then uh, develop a financial plan and then go from there? How does that work? Share that with the group as you do. Absolutely. From soup to nuts, we first do the initial client meeting where we get to know our clients. We find out their information during that time, they get more background about us, how we engage in terms of how we're compensated. Um, and if they do want to engage with us, then, then we move on to a essentially what we call a strategy meeting. And during that strategy meeting, we want to make sure that we start to talk to our clients in a more granular terms about their goals, specific timeframes, specific amounts, so that we understand truly what they're trying to accomplish. What we don't want to have when we present recommendations to our clients is a surprise like, oh yeah, I forgot this. We really want to know what all of our clients are working on. And then from that strategy meeting, we then go into implementation. And for many of our clients, implementation meetings can be one to two different meetings, just depending on what's happening. But in these meetings, it's truly helping our clients implement and execute the the recommendations. So sometimes it may require us to sit on the phone with our client to do a rollover call for their 401k, or it may require us to consult with their accountant or estate planning attorney. But part of what we do is, again, we handhold during those implementation meetings when we need to. And then what we don't want to do, of course, as you know, we don't want to hand off our clients or leave our clients and say, hey, good luck. You know, here's your website. Here's a book. I hope you make it to your goals. We do provide ongoing service review for our clients where we're meeting with them at minimum twice a year, but trimester or quarterly basis, just depending on what's going on throughout the year. And, and throughout that process, our teams are getting back to our clients within a 24-hour uh, reply and response rate. We're usually implementing and getting their paperwork out within a 48-hour to 72-hour time frame. And again, making it a, as seamless of a process as possible for our clients. Nice. So so in your practice directly, I know the firm has 4,000 uh, different clients. In your practice, how does that manifest itself? Do you have 200 client families or just a small number of 50 clients? Or how do, you know, how do, you, how do you model all that out? Yeah, so our, our practice within our firm, we are responsible for over a thousand clients and we actually manage nearly a billion of our, our firm's assets. And our staff, we actually have a staff of nearly 20 people at this point. As I mentioned, I have, uh, there's four partners currently. 
We have about four to five junior financial planners who also work with our clients. And then we are currently working uh, with our operations team and developing like a financial planning department. And so as we continue to grow these departments, we'll continue to add, we'll add more people to them. But at this time, we have nearly 20 people where we work with all of those clients at this time. So do you do the reviews or do the planners do the reviews or how does that, that's a lot of thousand, that's a lot of people, thousand people. Absolutely. So what we've done in our practice is we rely on client segmentation. So that's one of the biggest things that I would recommend to other financial planners is if they haven't segmented their clients based on their own scoring system. And again, we have our own segmentation system of how many times a client should be seen based on either assets under management or revenue, or do you like the client? Um, (laughs) Those are certain things that are part of our segmentation, but uh, based on how our clients are segmented and who is responsible for that relationship, we normally will see them again twice a year, once a year, quarterly, just depending on their segment. So, but it's not you personally doing a thousand Zooms. It's the whole team taking different people, right? That's correct. That's correct. Now, I will say for me, I still see about on average 15 to 20 different client meetings throughout the week, just because we, my team and all of us do have just a lot of clients. But again, these are, not all thousand clients it, you know, it might be 300 clients or 400 clients uh, per, per advisor or 200 clients per advisor. Great. And how do you handle money management? Are you managing money or, or do you place that with other managers through, through the networks or something like that? Yeah. So our team, we, we actually manage the money ourselves. However, we work directly with some of the, top financial analysts out there, such as teams at First Trust, Portfolios, Vanguard, uh, that are out there that that uh, allow us to work directly with some of their CFAs. And they provide us with recommendations or model portfolios, and we're able to create those portfolios for our clients or implement our, our clients within those portfolios. But we have the ability to directly manage. Um, we do mostly use exchange traded funds, stocks, bonds. We do provide annuity options. So we do uh, also do alternatives, really just depending on the client situation. Let's talk about alternatives. What Besides the cryptos that you know, are discussed but not done, what kind of alternatives are done for clients? How, and and how, do you, how do you work that into their portfolio? Absolutely. Most alternative investments generally are positioned for a dividend or income strategies. So many of our clients will invest in what are called private development companies uh, that pay consistent dividends, which, as you know, as you may know, are are strategies that allow us to invest into privately owned companies that are not public at this time. So that's one strategy. We also can invest into real real estate investment trusts. Uh, Some of the ones that are out there like Griffin Capital or um, um, Scion, uh, many of these uh, larger real estate investment companies we have the ability to invest into. But again, most of the time, 
its position for income and dividend for our clients. Do you, do you get involved in much venture capital type or hedge funds or alternative, you know, all strategies, all liquid strategies? We, we we have the ability to, and I I don't know what percentage of our client base is um, directly invest, investing in a a VC type strategy, but that would be on a small more smaller scale the business development co- company or investment strategy where these funds do have the big VCs behind them, like Apollo or Blackstone are, are partners within these uh, private equity funds uh, that we invest for our clients. Nice, nice. Well, it sounds like you have a really great practice and you're offering a lot of different services to clients uh, and, and serving a lot of client families as well. Um, you know, if you could send a message to the financial advisor community, and I think I think a few thousand people will probably see this. So um, you're in a room with a few thousand financial advisors and you have a message to tell them. What would be your message? Absolutely. I think there's really three things I would share with them. The first is make sure you're responded to clients within 24 hours. Being responsive goes a long way. Many clients do not get that type of service anywhere else. And especially with sometimes the type of money that they might be uh, investing with us or the types of goals that they're they're trusting with in our hands, being responsive is is a key to financial planning. The second is stay organized. I like to use a strategy for my inbox called do, delegate, and delete. So the three Ds. And by the end of the day, after getting 100 plus emails during the day, I still end in my email inbox with less than 10 to 15 emails by the end of the day. And the purpose of this is to stay organized in that we want to do what the email says. So we either respond to the client, delegate it to your staff or delegate it to a partner who, who has the ability to act on it. Or delete it. So we all get spam. And if we don't, if we know we're not going to read it today or in the next couple of days, delete it. You can find it somewhere else on the internet space. And and, and the last piece is again, remember to just as long as you're always responsive to your clients, they'll appreciate you more, they'll provide you with referrals, and honestly will respect your integrity and honestly provide just opportunities that you or I had never imagined. Nice. That's great. Well, thank you. And we're all the benefit for having heard your advice and, and counsel and uh, great messages for the financial advisory community. So Christina, thank you for spending a few minutes with us on the financial advisors workshop. And we hope to check in with you maybe later on either th- you know this year or next and just hear how things are developing and see if there's any new insights you can give us. Absolutely. Well, thank you again, Brian, for having me on and good luck to all the advisors that are out there. Thanks, Christina.
Thank you so much for listening. Again, our biggest goal here is to help you grow your financial advisor practice to 100 million and beyond. So don't forget to download our guide on all the tips, strategies, and tricks I personally use to grow my practice to 100 million and beyond in managed assets by going to fourstarwealth.com forward slash advisors. And if you're a financial advisor looking for more freedom, higher margins, better training, please set up a consultation to discuss joining our team by going to fourstarwealth.com forward slash advisors. All right. Well, thanks for listening. And until the next financial advisor workshop, keep on growing out there, everyone.